One week uh, before Christmas, we're going to pause the Fruit of the Spirit series and just do uh, focus a little bit more in on Christmas today. And uh, we'll begin by reading the Christmas story according to Matthew, each of the Gospels, except for Mark. Mark doesn't say anything about Christmas. He's kind of the, the grin, the bah humbug. He doesn't say anything about Christmas. Uh, but John does a little bit, uh, Luke and Matthew mostly, but their stories come from very different kind of perspectives. And uh, Christmas Eve, we'll read Luke's version. Let's read the version according to Matthew. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly because back in those days, that was a very, a very disgraceful thing, that whole scenario. You know, all of a sudden she's pregnant before marriage in their society. That was, um, was uh, not a, a very comfortable thing. So she, he decides he's going to divorce her and, and break off the engagement quietly. And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw a star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chiefs, priests, and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them ex the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Very sarcastic, that is. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. 
Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And it's kind of the Christmas story according to, to Matthew. And uh, so let's spend a bit of time focusing in on, on uh, Christmas gifts and giving gifts. Because uh, if you ever ask the question, why in the world do we actually give gifts at Christmas? Uh, a lot of that actually is traced back to this story here in Matthew 2. And if you trace the idea of giving gifts, it is actually traced back uh, primarily to this idea of the Magi in this story coming and giving gifts to Jesus. Uh, there's also some relation in terms of giving gifts to a saint who lived in the 4th century called St. Nicholas. We kind of know him as Santa. And also the idea of, of course, Jesus being this amazing gift that God gives. And so I want to look at those, those three. But, but gift giving is a huge thing. In Canada... Uh, according to some stat that I looked up on Google, about $20.5 billion, I was going to say million, but it's billion dollars to spend in Christmas gifts. That's a lot in the States. It's actually over a trillion dollars spent in people buying and giving Christmas gifts. And, and again, it's like, why do we spend so much money on this? Where did this tradition come from of, of gift giving? And, and again, it kind of goes back to this heritage of the Magi and St. Nicholas and, and this, the, 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 the gift that God gave us in, in Jesus. Um, and so it goes back to, first of all, like the, the idea of the Magi, sometimes it's known as the wise men, or uh, sometimes known as the three kings. They were definitely not kings, they were more priests, because uh, through just archaeological discoveries, we know what the Magi actually were. They were not kings, but they were more uh, priests. And they were not necessarily wise men, uh, very possibly some of them were actually women. And sort of some of the modern scholarship is quite certain perhaps some of the Magi were women. And the history of the Magi, um, it, refers, it refers to Persian priests of, of a religious practice back then that was Zoroastrianism, it was called. It's actually one of the second oldest religions in the world. And, 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 and God invites them to this little Christmas scene at the birth of Jesus. And uh, it's a reminder that God speaks to folks, <laughs> sometimes out of our group, and uh, he is calling people outside of our little sphere of influence. And, and there you find, when the birth of Jesus, you find all these different folks at the scene, scenes, people that you would not normally expect. None of the religious leaders were there. None of the sort of the pastors and priests of the, of, of the day, of, of their group were there. It was shepherds who were considered outcasts. It was these faraway Zoroastrianist priests who showed up at the scene. And, and God is speaking to them and calling them to this birth of Jesus. And uh, the Magi were kind of interesting folks because uh, there's a lot of similarities actually to the, the Christian belief and to, to the Jewish belief. They actually believed that there was one universal transcendent, all good and un created supreme creator deity. Uh, they very much focused on good deeds and thoughts and good words. And um, there was a heavy, heavy emphasis on spreading happen, happiness mostly through charity. And a lot of these are very Christian themes. 
Uh, they also respected highly the spiritual equality and duty of both men and women. And this is one of the reasons why modern scholarship believes that most likely some of these magi were women. It doesn't actually say how many there were. I mean, tradition, we say three, but it doesn't actually say how many. We just see there's three different gifts. Uh, but in that day, their belief was, was that the priesthood was for both men and women. I think a belief that Jesus very much supported and kind of later was, was pulled away as uh, even in Zoroastrianism, the, once Islam came away, it became more male-centered in the same time or in Christianity became more male-centered as well. But, but they bring these gifts of frankincense, myrrh, and incense, and they give these gifts to Jesus. And if you trace the history of our own give, gift-giving, a lot of it actually goes back to that, that Magi gave gift to Jesus, and, and sort of this tradition came that we can give gifts to each other, and kind of as we do that, we are giving gifts to Jesus. And the second thread is actually our jolly old happy man, Santa. And uh, it's kind of funny because, you know, at least I remember, at least especially 10, maybe 15, 20 years ago, there was a strong emphasis of getting rid of Santa. <laughs> you know, a lot of Christians were warring against Santa. Let's get rid of this guy. I mean, you know, I, we don't want Santa. But Santa actually, for the most part, and there's some other, other traditions in there, actually is, is he's one of our guys. <laughs> uh, traced back to mostly St. Nicholas, who was a fourth century saint, who was known for gift giving. And out of that tradition came this idea of St. Nicholas. And there's some other traditions in there and eventually warped into this, this Santa figure. But at the core, Santa is a, a very well-respected Jesus-following person who, who gave gifts and, and helped people. In fact, uh, it's just a little clip on some of the hint history of St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was a Christian bishop who helped those in need. After his death, the legend of his gift-giving grew. St. Nicholas has become the legendary character named Santa Claus, who brings Christmas presents to children around the world. St. Nicholas was born around 280 AD in Patara, Lycia, an area that is part of present-day Turkey. He lost both of his parents as a young man, and then used his inheritance to help the poor and sick. A devout Christian, he later served as Bishop of Myra, a city now called Demra. There are many legends about Saint Nicholas of Myra. One story tells how he helped three poor sisters. Their father did not have enough money to pay for his dowry and thought of selling them into servitude. When the eldest daughter reached the age when she was to marry, Saint Nick left a bag of gold at the door of their house at night. The same thing happened when it came the time for the second girl to get married. When the time came for the third girl to get married, the father of the daughters, curious to find who left the bag of gold, stood guard and saw St. Nicholas. The bishop realised that he was being followed and took the bag, climbed on the house and released the bag through the chimney of the house in a sock left there to dry. This is how the tradition of hanging the stockings above the fireplace during the Christmas holidays appeared. However, St. Nicholas asked the man to keep the secret, but he did not respect the bishop's request and told everyone. Later, anyone who received an unexpected gift thought it was from St. Nick and thanked him for the gift. The three bags of gold became, according to legend, the symbol of St. Nicholas in the form of three golden balls, hence the tradition of offering oranges on the occasion of St. Nicholas. 
some sources state that St. Nicholas died on December the 6th, 343 AD. Over the years, stories of his miracles and good deeds for the poor spread to other parts of the world. He became known as the protector of children and sailors and was associated with the giving of gifts. He was a popular saint in Europe until the time of the Protestant Reformation in the 1500s, a religious movement that led to the creation of Protestantism and which stopped the practice of honouring the saints. However, Saint Nicholas remained an important figure in the Netherlands. The Dutch continued to celebrate Saint Nicholas's Day on December the 6th. It was common practice for children to put their shoes in front of the fireplace the night before in the hope of presents. In the morning, they would discover the gifts that Saint Nicholas left there for them. Dutch immigrants brought the legend of Saint Nicholas to America, known to them as Sint Nicholas, or by his nickname Sinterklaas in the 1700s. Saint Nicholas went through many transformations in the United States. Sinterklaas became Santa Claus and, instead of giving presents on December the 6th, became part of the Christmas holidays. In the 1820 poem, A Visit from Saint Nicholas by Clement Clark Moore, he is described as a cheerful, heavy-handed man who descends through the chimney to leave gifts for good children and drives a sleigh pulled by flying reindeers. The cartoonist Thomas Nast joined the legend of Saint Nicholas with a drawing of Santa Claus from 1881 wearing a red suit with a white fur coat. Once a good charitable bishop, Saint Nicholas became the Santa Claus we know today. Everywhere in the world, Santa Claus is much better known and his name is more renowned than Saint Nicholas. That's uh, good old Saint Nicholas. And so he's actually a part of our tradition. He was kind of morphed into uh, a bigger, heavier set, jolly fellow with a big beard, but um, at his core, uh, this idea of us giving gifts is partly traced back to, to him giving gifts and, and using his inheritance as he did, uh, not for his own selfish reasons, but to bless the poor. And of course, this is a part of, of what we do as followers of Jesus too. And thank you for taking that offering last week and that's in the line of St. Nicholas and, and helping, helping the poor. And the third element, as you trace back this idea of why we give gifts at Christmas, is of course just the, the, the main heart of the Christmas story, and that is the gift of Jesus. Uh, in a sense, God is the gift giver all the time, because uh, James 1.17 actually says, whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down to us from God. And so as we just give gifts to each other, it's, it's a little reflection of of the beautiful gifts that God gives us in, in every season and in, in every time. But Jesus often is actually called a gift. In 2 Corinthians 6, 1, it says that Jesus is a marvelous gift of God's kindness. Or Romans 5, 15 is, is God's gracious gift. And, and this is the most beautiful gift in the Christmas season is this idea of the birth of Jesus during Christmas time. And it's, uh, it's not like a gift where you get and there's only just one thing in it. I mean, the, the gift of Jesus is like, you know those baskets you get and it's just full of all kinds of stuff and you get like chocolate and, you know, snacks and cookies and, you know, whatever, a beer in there. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on in that basket, you know. You get this amazing, this is like the gift of Jesus. It's like, it, it's multifaceted. And the Bible just says there's, there's so many different aspects to the gift of Jesus. And uh, first Peter talks about God's gift of new life through Jesus. 
that there is, it says the, the old is gone, the new has come, that there is something that when you open your heart up to the gift of Jesus, that it's just like something new happens inside of you. It's just this miraculous kind of mysterious gift. And then in that gift, Romans 5 talks about the gift of righteousness in the package of Jesus. That God actually looks at us as if we were righteous. It's, uh, that all our sin is washed away and, and, and God looks at us with these eyes of peace or Romans 6, the free gift of God is eternal life and that begins now. Eternal life is not just something in the future but right now we, we are living eternal life and we experience eternal life and part of this kingdom and that's part of the gift of Jesus. Uh, Romans 5, it really sums up the gift of Jesus. It says, we have been made, made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. I want to read that again. We have been made right in God's sight by faith. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. And, and this is part of this, this idea that it, it, it's by faith and it's, it's a free gift. <laughs> I mean, we've got a lot of inflation going all around, but this is one gift that is, is still free. Has not been affected by inflation at all and it's just a gift that we receive i mean there's there's so much in the package it's it's by faith and if i were going to give you a gift i mean all you got to do is just open up to receive it there's nothing you got to do it wouldn't be a gift that said i got a gift for you but you got to do this 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 and that and you got to especially do this and then you get this quote-unquote free gift i mean it's it's just by faith it's just free and it's sad sometimes people put a lot of lists around the gift of jesus you know, you become a Christian if you do this, 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 and you know, you can have Jesus if you do these 20 things. It's like, well, then it's not free. It's, a, it's, it's, it's just by faith. If I were to give you a gift, the only thing you got to do, and I guess it's kind of something you got to do, you just got to receive it. And, 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 and God does all this work in you. And this is this gift of Jesus. In Romans, uh, Galatians 5, or 4, it says, because we are his children, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, prompting us to call out, Abba, Father. Now you are no longer a slave, but God's own child. And since you are his child, God has made you his, his heir. And this is all part of this Christmas package of Jesus, this, this most beautiful gift that God has given us at Christmas. And, and just, a, just a, a call out, a reminder is, has you, have you opened your heart to this gift? And sometimes we think we got it. Well, I can't because you know maybe if I read my Bible enough or go to church enough, then I can open my heart to this gift. Then you start adding stuff. Then then you can say, well, I got this gift because I'm such a good person. It's absolutely a gift where you cannot boast. It's by faith. It is a gift that you just say, God, I want you in my life. Jesus, I need you in my life. Holy Spirit, I need you in my life. I just just do what you want to do. I open myself to you. And this is the mystery of the Christmas gift that. God just kind of begins to move in and rearrange stuff and, and work stuff. It's, it's the most beautiful gift you can ever imagine, the, the gift of Jesus around Christmas. 
Now, a little bit shorter message today. I want to leave a little bit more time just to share some Christmas stuff with each other. Um, what is one of the most meaningful gifts you have received? Because, you know, every time you receive a gift, it is a picture of giving and receiving love. It is a picture of the kingdom. Or maybe this question, what about the Christmas story is, is actually most meaningful to you? You know, for me, one of the most meaningful things to me about, the, about Christmas is, uh, um, is this, this idea of the humanity of the Christmas story and of the whole Christmas season. I mean, there's something about Christmas that heightens both pain and sadness and yet joy and happiness. Uh, that our joys tend to be higher, but also our sadness tends to be deeper around Christmas as we miss those who have passed away, as we maybe those relationships that didn't work out or the struggles in our families are highlighted, but also there's this joy of, the, of Jesus and the mystery and the presence and the lights. It, 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 and, and, and that's connected to the humanity of the Christmas story where God became human. That the divine is poured into human flesh and God himself actually enters into humanity and experiences the joys of being human and the, the tears of being human. And it's all part of this beautiful Christmas story. That it's, it's just a very human time. And God himself becomes human in the midst of that. And of course, that is very meaningful to me. And of course, the other thing is meaningful is Isabel's, Isabel's uh, eggnog eggnog lattes. I mean, those are pretty beautiful today if you ever want one of those. But uh, what to you is meaningful you, to you around this Christmas season? If you, yeah, Carol. Oh. Um, yeah, since, uh, since losing our son, three years ago, I think I've had a really, really fresh appreciation for Mary and what she went through. I, I can't even imagine, you know, how she was told just a few days after Jesus was born and they're rejoicing and they're at the temple and everything's wonderful and they're celebrating. And Simeon says to her, a sword will pierce your soul. How do you deal with that, right? And then, and then to see her son be crucified. And um, yeah, I can hardly wait to meet her someday. <laughs> Thanks, Carol. So I just want to share a Christmas memory. So in the late 80s and the early 90s, I was a single mom with two little boys on welfare. And we were going to the Presbyterian Church. And uh, someone, some anonymous giver, decided to, um, through our minister, Calvin Brown, um, ask for, asked of me to give him a list of the things that we would want. And... Um, and so for about three or four years, we were just gifted wonderful things like quality clothing and toys for the children and, and just like things that I needed. And, um, and then I went to soccer college, got a certificate, started meaningful work, and the gifter withdrew, you know. So 
the boys and I, who are now 40 and 37, often reminisce about who could that anonymous gifter be, and we've never found out, and um, it, was, it was such a joy. So. Yeah, thank you, Mary. Yeah. First, I'd like to uh, thank you, Jesse, for your sacrifice of service um, and bringing this uh, truth about St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas didn't understand what was going to happen from his just obeying the Lord and sharing, giving out those gifts. He didn't know the global impact that that would have. But each of us, that's a testimony to us what God can do with a handful of dirt filled with his spirit. Amen. Amen. Yeah, I like that, Ken. Good application. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> no, no tears this time, I promise. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, everybody. I guess for me, hello. The most um, precious thing, uh, long before I came to know Jesus as my personal Savior and Lord and King, um, we celebrated the, the birth of the baby because that's such a sacred, that's probably the most sacred thing that we can do on this planet, is bring forth a child and gather around that life and infuse it with possibility and it's so pure and so so potential and um, I just love that that every baby born is the potential light of the world and um, and now that I've come to know him and that he chose that oh gosh the tears <laughs> freely we have given and freely we shall freely we have received and freely we give the gift that we've been given in that tiny baby, in that light, that, that hope. <laughs> is there anything more to say, really? That the magnitude of that is enough to just floor me. <laughs> I love you all. Thanks, you yeah, guys. Thank bless, you. bless, 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 bless. <laughs> everyone you hold in your heart and everyone that they hold in their heart and everyone that they hold in their their heart, their heart, their heart. May his blessings just just go forth into this hurting, broken world. Yeah. Just behind you, Richard, Sonia. Okay. Oh. Okay, we'll go Dan and Sonia. Yeah. Either way. <laughs> Goes on yet. <laughs> she was first, yeah. <laughs> I grew up uh, celebrating Christmas on the Julian calendar on the 6th of January. And uh, it was very, very much uh, centered around the manger. Uh, we had uh, the hay under our table. And at a given time, my father would give the word and we'd go dive into the hay, uh, signifying the manger. And that was where the gi we found the gift. And it was usually small. Uh, it was usually an orange, <laughs> so that's interesting. Yeah. And uh, but the gift was family. We were all uh, gathering, and uh, so 
it was Jesus and family. Yeah, he's on you. That's a good idea. I like that. I wish I had kids again. Yeah. Um, I, th I think one of my favorite memories is as our son was getting a little older and he, he had special needs and I, I kept thinking, gee, God, I don't know if he's really getting this Christmas thing. And God gave me the idea of celebrating it as a birthday with cake. Mm -hmm. And I thought, now that's going to go over well with Justin. And so we, we made chocolate cake and we put candles on and we sang happy birthday to Jesus. And that was fun. And, and I even did that with the preschool kids just mm -hmm. a couple of days ago at uh, the Balfour Preschool. And um, yeah, so I, I think that's been fun is bringing it down to a child's level and making it easy to understand. Yeah. Oh, it's a birthday. Yeah. And sing happy birthday to Jesus. And okay, and there's presents. <laughs> and it's <Yeah>. fun. Thanks, <laughs> Diane. One of the... Yes. I, I love the cake, too. <laughs> One of the most meaningful gifts I've received ever is one I've received just recently, and it was just beginning part of December, and it was shortly after um, the week that we had communion here, but this really reflects, ties into communion, and it's, it was a text that I received from a family member who the previous text had been full of venom and anger and condemnation directed at me because of my Christian faith on it. And he wrote this note to me. Hello, Dan. Just a short note to say, I'm very sorry for letting my words and actions towards you. Life is too short for me to damage family connections. I hope to be able to make amends, direct amends to you in the future. Have a happy holiday season. And the, this, this came from a non-Christian, a non-Christian that showed the importance of repentance, the importance of confession, the importance of trying to make amends for it. And uh, one of the things that Jesse said in your talk is that we can learn from people that are outside our understanding because the, the gift of God, I'm, I'm really botching what your message was, but the gift of God is, is the true, the truth of God is the gift of God is what I'm trying to say. I'm getting my exercise. <laughs> um, sometimes when we get uh, full of the Holy Spirit and gifted, it can cause division or friction in family. And I, um, I experienced that. Um, and it comes from not understanding fully. So my husband at first objected. And... Um, and for Christmas, he got me a Bible. And it's my favorite Bible yeah. to this day. <laughs> and so it was like uh, he, he came to somehow miraculously some form of understanding. Um, maybe what it means to me. And now I know it means as much to him. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks for hearing that. Then we have uh, Daniel and Troy up here. And then we'll call the worship team up here. Yeah. Yeah, and Daniel. Yeah, too. Yeah. What, everyone? 
thank you. So, my uh, my gift, my best gifts, I will say, it's kind of a, a stranger, because uh, both of them uh, surrounded the passing away of, of my parents. And uh, my dad, he passed away in uh, 2013, and it was at the end of November. And um, it, uh, we weren't, you know, settled whether he had accepted uh, Jesus into his life. And I remember, uh, I wasn't there for his passing away, and we were here. And I remember, um, I was kind of you know, a little sad about that. But uh, one night, uh, God met with me, and uh, he gave me a dream. And that dream was that I came to this, this house, and there was, um, as I was approaching the house, there was my dad and my mom and one of my aunts who had passed away. They were all at a supper table uh, eating, and I was approaching them, and they invited me to come in. And I was like, okay, well... My aunt had already passed away. My mom hasn't passed away yet. So what is this about? And then I realized that, you know, it's, it's a supper table in heaven. And mm. I will see him one day. Yeah. And that has since given me the peace and assurance. Mm. Um, the other uh, gift as well came in the form of a dream when my mom had passed away. And she passed away two years later on December 21st. And I remember we were um, trying to see if we can get down there in time because she was in the hospital. And this time I had a dream, I think it was a couple of nights before. Um, again, God met with me and I saw my mom. It, it, it's a long story, but it has to do with events that actually surrounded her passing away and her funeral and us going to Trinidad and all that. It was very vivid. I got up the next morning, I told my wife, and I wrote it down, and I said to her, because one of the things I saw is my mom, as I was going to meet her, my mom waving to me from her apartment building, where she was not living at the time, but she was waving to me. And then I just looked down as like, okay, how could that be her? She's in a hospital. And I was dreaming. And uh, I look up again and she was gone. You know, and I remember I woke up and I told my wife, I said, we're not going to make it. Because I didn't get to her before she, she left. So I said, she's going to pass away before we get to her. And uh, my wife said to me, you know, maybe we should, we should really try to get the plane ticket. So we stayed up late that night. I said, okay, we stayed up late that night, and I think one o'clock in the morning, we booked flights and uh, went to bed, and I think somewhere near maybe four o'clock in the morning, the, my phone rang, my sister called me and said, my mom's passed away. Hmm. And I said, okay, because my mom had already said goodbye, I had gotten to say goodbye, God met with me the night before, so again, I had peace about it. And uh, those two dreams was the best Christmas gifts that I have gotten. Because I didn't see, I wasn't there when they both passed away, but God met with me and uh, gave me the assurance and the peace. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Thank you, man.
And we'll, we'll catch Daniel here, and at the same time, we'll invite the worship team up. Yeah. Thank you. Um, good morning. Uh, two quick things. One, I actually don't know your name at the back. You shared the, the mystery giver. Mary. Mary. Joseph and I had a several, similar situation when we were children. Do you remember? And um, our parents had recently divorced, and um, there wasn't a lot of extra. They were still kind of, you know, settling from that. And uh, my mom had definitely gotten us presents anyway, of course. But um, we showed up one morning, and the, our whole porch was just filled with gifts, like really nice gifts. And uh, same thing. To this day, we have no idea who did it. And, but it was just such a... I'll never forget that for the rest of my life, because it was like the first time I'd ever witnessed that kind of like selfless, nameless... Like, like that level of gift, it was just, yeah, I, was, I continue to be inspired by it, so um, just beautiful. Um, as far as like Christmas, I've, I, just, I just love looking at how these, um, what have now become these like kind of cultural centerpieces, like these little, little demarcation points that come throughout the year. Um, especially at, like being a Judeo-Christian culture, and we look at like Easter, Christmas, and so on and so forth, um, but not just as events that we pass through, but events that pass through us. Um, and they, they come embedded with this like living technology. And when I think about Christmas before the new year, and I think about the Christ story and the birth of Christ, and I think about the North Star, and as the whole world kind of seems to stop and pause around Christmas and things get really, really, really still, right? We get to recenter with that which is most important, that voice that's guiding us, the North Star as it relates to our lives. And as we reconnect with the love in our lives and open ourselves up to that, we have this beautiful, um, this beautiful opportunity to kind of reset and to listen to what our own North Star is and how the Christ wants to birth within all of us. And I think about what you said, Jesse, like the, just so beautifully about um, God being birthed uh, into, into Jesus and like getting to experience what it is to be human. And I always think of this like beautiful dance that how we are birthed of God, birthed of God's love and then because of our free will, we have this incredible divine opportunity to, in a way, birth God as his inspiration shines through our lives, especially in a really potent way around Christmas. And we get to birth his inspiration in our lives if we so choose. And so Christmas is just this beautiful opportunity to see like, what wants to birth in us.